And in this is a lesson for us as well that we must eat to live and we must live to work righteousness with the realization that Allah is watching everything that we are doing. وَإِنَّ هَذِهِ أُمَّتُكُمْ أُمَّةً وَاحِدًا And indeed this nation, this religion, because the word ummah is also used for religion. So this religion, this nation of yours is one nation having one religion. And who is your God? One God. وَأَنَا رَبُّكُمْ فَاتَّقُونِ So fear me, meaning fear Allah. So all of the prophets brought the same message. All of the prophets invited to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. But what happened? فَتَقَطَّعُوا أَمْرَهُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ زُبُرًا But the followers of the prophets, what happened? They divided their religion amongst them into several groups, into sects. And كُلُّ حِزْبٍ بِمَا لَدَيْهِمْ فَرِحُونَ Each group was rejoicing, is rejoicing with whatever portion of religion he is holding on to. You see the foundation, the basis of religion is what? Belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Taqwa of Allah. Iman billah is the foundation, it is the basis of the structure of religion. If iman billah is there, correct iman in Allah is there, then what will happen? The religion will be together. In the sense that a person will hold on to the entire religion. He will give importance to the entire religion. But when the belief in Allah is not correct, when the foundation is not correct, then what will happen? The structure will collapse. And what will happen then? A person will just hold on to bits and pieces of the religion. Just portions of religion that will suit him, that make him happy. And this is what has happened over time. That as people have lost their faith in Allah, as people have lost their true fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what has happened? They have just selected bits and portions of religion. They have modified their religion to suit their own desires. Allah says, فَذَرْهُمْ فِي غَمْرَتِهِمْ حَتَّى حين. So leave them in their confusion for a time. Meaning there is no point trying to convince these people, argue with them. Because when a person is stubborn upon something, he's following his desire, then logic doesn't make sense to him. Then proof and evidence, it doesn't matter. Because think about it. If a person is following the religion, if a person has true faith in Allah, then he will give importance to the whole religion, correct? If something is presented and that is part of the deen, will he accept it? Yes, he will. But if he is holding on to religion, parts of religion, just to follow his own desires, right? then in reality, what is he doing? Following religion or following desire? Following desire. So if something suits his desire, he'll adopt it. But as soon as there's something that contradicts the desire, that goes against it, will he adopt it? No, he will leave it. So فَذَرْهُمْ فِي غَمْرَتِهِمْ Leave them in their confusion, in their misguidance, in their error. حَتَّى حِينَ For a time. Alright, for a time. You know, for example, if a person is sleeping, and you try to wake them up, and they don't wake up, what do you do then? Leave them. But do you leave them forever? For some time. Right? You go away for like five minutes, you go away for ten minutes, you go away for half an hour, but then you come back. Right? So hattahin, give them time. In this is good for you, right? And also good for them. How is it good for you? Because you won't get upset and angry and frustrated. You won't give up. And how is it good for them? They also need some space. They also need some time. They need time to wake up. So just like that, a person needs time to accept guidance. You know, for instance, we learn about the importance of performing salah properly with khushur. All right, and then we see somebody who's not performing salah with khushur, and we get really upset and angry. Do you realize who we were praying to? Do you realize who you were standing before? Is this the time to pray? Is this how you pray? Do some dhikr before your prayer, in your prayer, after your prayer. But there is no point getting angry. No point getting angry. Didn't it take us time to realize the importance of salah? Didn't it take time? It did. 
So others also need time. Right? So, فَذَرْهُمْ فِي غَمْرَتِهِمْ حَتَّى حِينَ أَيَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّمَا نُمِدُّهُمْ بِهِ مِن مَالٍ وَبَنِينَ Now, a person is doing something wrong. He is upon falsehood. But yet, he's living a happy life. Everything is working out for him. Allah says, Do they think that what we extend to them of wealth and children, is it نُسَارِعُ لَهُمْ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ Is it because we are hastening for them good things? Meaning, do they think that this is reward for the sins that they're committing? No way. Because if a person is having a great time in this life, that does not mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is happy with him. Your financial position in this life doesn't determine your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't. Fir'aun was very rich. Likewise, we see Qarun was very rich. Right? But did that mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was very happy with them? No. We see the Prophet ﷺ, he lived through poverty in his childhood and also later on. What happened in Sherb Abi Talib when the people of Makkah boycotted the tribe of the Prophet ﷺ and they basically, the Banu Hashim, they imposed an exile upon themselves and they left Makkah and they settled outside of Makkah in a gorge, in a ravine. And during that time, so much poverty, there was no food at all because they couldn't even buy and sell. You know, any person who would come from outside, right, with food supplies, the people of Makkah would go to them and they would say, we'll give you double the money. Don't sell anything to Banu Hashim. The Prophet ﷺ, he said at one point that how many days and nights went by on me and Bilal, Bilal anhu, that we had nothing that a living being could eat. Nothing that a living being could eat. And all we could find was just something as small, so small that could fit in the armpit of Bilal. Meaning it was something so small that you could just hide in your armpit. Can you imagine something so small? That's all we had to eat for days and days. The Prophet ﷺ went through so much poverty. So if a person is suffering from poverty and hardship, that doesn't necessarily mean that Allah is angry with him. And if a person is going through happiness and joy and luxury in this life, that doesn't mean that Allah is happy with him. This doesn't mean that. What determines if Allah is happy with you or not? Your actions, your relationship with Allah, what you are doing in your lifetime. Because the more opportunity a person has to do good, the more chance he has to draw closer to Allah. That means Allah wants him to be closer to him. Allah is happy with him. And when a person is deprived of doing good, then what does that mean? That he has done something wrong. That there is a distance now between him and his Lord. So, أَيَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّمَا نُمِدُّهُمْ بِهِ مِن مَالٍ وَبَنِينَ نُسَارِعُ لَهُمْ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ بَلْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ Rather, they do not realize. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ هُمْ مِنْ خَشْيَةِ رَبِّهِمْ مُشْفِقُونَ Indeed, those who are apprehensive from the fear of their Lord. Two words are mentioned here of fear. Right? Khashiyah and ishfaq. What is khashiyah? Fear that is based on knowledge and awareness. That a person realizes the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and because of that he is afraid. Because of that he is fearful. And mushfiq, ishfaq, is a combination of love and fear. Respect, awe. So because they realize the greatness of their Lord, they are apprehensive. They are concerned. They are never negligent. Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah, he said that the believer combines ihsan with awe. Meaning the believer, when he's doing anything good, he does it to the best of his ability in the most excellent manner. And while he's doing that, he is afraid of Allah. He is afraid of Allah. Why is he afraid? Because? Why? Okay, because of the fear that it may not be accepted. Why else? Because of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, have you ever participated in a competition? Speech competition maybe, or art competition? Has it ever happened? Okay. So when you did your artwork, your art project, whatever it was, okay, how did you do it? You gave it your best. Right? You did it with ihsan. Were you afraid when you submitted your project? Were you afraid? What were you afraid of? What if it's not good enough? Right? What if it's not good enough? Because 
you realize when you see other people's artwork and when you see the high standard of the judges, right? That there's no way I'm going to pass. There's no way I'm going to win. There's no way I'm going to make it. When you see the high standard, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how great is He? No matter what we do, can we ever give Allah His haq? Can we? Can we ever do justice to what Allah deserves from us? Can we even get close to that? Never. No matter how much we have accomplished, no matter how beautifully we have done something, no matter how perfectly we have done something, it's never good enough. Right? This is why the Prophet ﷺ said that none of us can get Jannah through just our deeds. Because our deeds can never be 100% perfect. It can only be from Allah's mercy. So what is it that we hope for? That Ya Allah, this is the best I could do. Right? This is the best I could do. It is your mercy that I want. It is your pleasure and approval that I want. Hmm? Just like Ibrahim salam, Ismail salam, when they constructed the Kaaba, they did their best. And then what did they say? Rabbana taqabbal minna. Oh Allah, accept from us. So this is a very important concept to understand. And it's very important that we understand it correctly. Because either we live in eternal guilt, right? And we think, oh, no matter what I do, it's never good enough, so what's the point of even trying? Right? I'm a failure. And every day you feel like a loser. I can never be perfect. I can never be good enough. No. This is not how we should feel. Or we go to the other extreme, which is, yeah, I've done this and this and this. I think I'm good. I think I'll pass. I think I'll survive. Right? That's another extreme. That is being too arrogant. Hassan al-Basri said, the believer combines ihsan with awe. He does his best. Right? He does whatever is within his capacity given the situation that he has. And at the same time, mushfiqoon. In awe. That Ya Allah, only you can Grace my efforts with ihsan, with acceptance. Only you can bestow your favor, you can show your mercy, and you can honor my deeds by accepting them. They can never be perfect. But we have faith in your mercy. So, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ هُمْ مِنْ خَشْيَةِ رَبِّهِمْ مُشْفِقُونَ وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ يُؤْمِنُونَ And those who believe in the signs of their Lord. وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ بِرَبِّهِمْ لَا يُشْرِكُونَ And those who do not associate anything with their Lord. Meaning whatever they do, they do it with sincerity. وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْتُونَ مَا آتَوْ And those who give whatever they give. يُؤْتُونَ إِتَا إِتَا is to give. So for example, giving charity. Right? But over here, it doesn't just mean giving charity. It also implies performing an action. Right? Because whatever we're doing, we're giving it. We're depositing it in our record of deeds. To be weighed on the Day of Judgment, to be presented on the Day of Judgment, so that we are given reward. So, وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْتُونَ مَا آتَوْ Look at the word مَا آتَوْ What does that mean? Anything and everything they do, they give, they perform, everything. What is the state of their heart? وَقُلُوبُهُمْ وَجِلَ Their hearts are trembling. They're not proud inside. They're still a little nervous inside. Why are they nervous inside? That أَنَّهُمْ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ رَاجِعُونَ That indeed they are going to return to their Lord. And when we return to Allah, our deeds are going to be presented. We are going to be questioned about our deeds. Has it ever happened with you that you, you know, for example, you write a test, hmm? and then you give it. And then when it is marked and it is returned, you don't want to look at it? Why do you have that feeling that you don't want to look at it? Why? What if you did good? What if you did good? Like what if you got a 28 on 30? But still, when you're going through that, you know, when you're looking at your test paper, even though you know you've passed, still just looking at it makes you a little nervous. Where did I lose marks? Okay, I lost 0.25 here and 0.25 here. Even though it's just 0.25, but it's embarrassing to look at it. Isn't it? Has it ever happened that somebody's videotaped you, like recorded you? Hmm? And then they're showing you your video, maybe from childhood or something. 
You don't want to look at it, right? Your parents, do they ever tell you about stories of your childhood? Isn't it embarrassing to hear those stories? Some of them, yeah, we're very happy about them, but most of them were like, Mom, please be quiet. Please don't tell the whole world about this. Right? Pictures maybe, when they're put on display, it's embarrassing to look at them. Even though you're looking so cute, but what happens? You don't like the dress that you're wearing because it's so old-fashioned now. Right? Or you don't like the fact that there is a diaper box right next to you. Right? Or you don't like the fact that there is banana all over your face. Or whatever it is, because it's embarrassing to look at it. Right? Now, if we are embarrassed to look at pictures that our parents thought were worth preserving, hmm? or videos that somebody thought was worth putting on camera, or an assignment, or a test paper that we did our best on, the marks of which are going in our final record. I mean, it's embarrassing to look at these things. What about our life record? Our life record, based on which either we're getting reward or something else. May Allah protect us. So, no matter what they do, they're afraid. Because they know that they're going back to Allah, and these deeds, they're going to see them. They're going to see them. And what if there's even a little bit in these deeds that's enough to corrupt and destroy those deeds? وَجِلَ أَنَّهُمْ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ رَاجِعُونَ أُولَٰئِكَ يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ Those are the ones who hasten in doing good deeds. They never have enough of doing good. Because they know that if they wrote one test, it wasn't good enough. They can do better next time. So they write another one. And they write another one. And they make another painting. And they make another picture. And they make another video. You know, like for example, you take a picture, because you have to send it to somebody, right? And then you look at the picture and you're like, no, no, this is this is not right. So take another picture. And then take another picture. Then take another picture. Until you get to the one that is perfect. Isn't it so? You know, for example, if you're going through a photo album, digital photo album, and you see one scene has like five pictures. Why? Because you took one picture, you weren't satisfied. So you took another one, and you took another one, and you took another one. And then finally, you got a picture that you were satisfied with. Then you stopped. Right? So when it comes to performing good deeds, some people are not satisfied with what they've done. So what do they do? They do it once and they think, let me try again. Let me try again. Let me do it one more time. Let me do it another time. أُولَٰئِكَ يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ These people are the ones who hasten in doing good. Who are not satisfied and bored of doing good. They want more and more opportunities. وَهُمْ لَهَا سَابِقُونَ And those are the ones who outstrip others in, in performing the good deeds. This is why they're the first ones. You know, for example, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, he was on his final sickness when it was clear that he wasn't going to survive, he was going to die. One of you know, the Ahlul Ilm, a person who had a lot of knowledge, he came to visit Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal. Alright? And Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal started asking him questions. Alright? He's on his deathbed and he's asking a knowledgeable man questions. And so somebody said to him, even now, Ya Abu Abdullah, what's the point? Why are you asking? What are you going to do with this? He said, I'd rather die knowing about this than not knowing about this. I'd rather die having ilm of this. You see, not satisfied. More and more and more. أُولَٰئِكَ يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ وَهُمْ لَهَا سَابِقُونَ You see, anything that you do, and you enjoy it, you find it meaningful, right? You can never have enough of it. So for example, if you watch a TV show, hmm, and you enjoyed it, then what do you want? Next episode. And then what do you want? Next season. And then what do you want? Another season. Right? If you enjoy some good food at a particular restaurant, you eat there once. And then what do you do? You eat there again. And then you eat there again. Right? Because you enjoy the experience. You enjoy the experience. The experience matters to you. It's not about the fact that you've spent hundreds of dollars at that restaurant. That was not your goal. Your goal was not to spend money there. What was your goal? Experience. 
Right? So likewise, performing good deeds, that is also an experience. Meaning, an experience that brings you joy, that brings you true happiness, that brings you a, you know, a feeling of accomplishment, satisfaction. And this experience, the one who's addicted to it, he can never have enough of it. أُولَٰئِكَ يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ وَهُمْ لَهَا سَابِقُونَ So we see over here in these verses that there are two types of people. One group is of those who are in ghamra, in heedlessness, drowned in the depth of ignorance and heedlessness, confusion. They're lost. Ignorance. And the more they have of this world, the more they are lost. It's as if they feel entitled to the gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they think that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving them the blessings of this world, they deserve them. And because of that reason, their amal, their actions are few. Then there is another way, which is of those who are afraid of their Lord. Those who are alert and conscious, aware. Mushfiqoon. They're aware of their reality and they're aware of the reality of their Lord. So no matter what they do, they're never 100% satisfied with it. They never consider it to be sufficient. There's always a desire for improvement, for increase. So such are the ones who get ahead in doing good. Such are the ones who do not delay doing good. وَلَا نُكَلِّفُ And we do not burden, we do not charge. نَفْسًا any soul إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا Except its capacity. Meaning every person is only burdened with that with which it can bear. Every person is made to go through a situation that he can handle. Every person is given a responsibility that he can manage. وَلَا نُكَلِّفُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا Because sometimes we say, oh, I can't pray properly because there's so many distractions. Right? I can't do this good deed and I can't do that good deed because I've got no money. I'm so stressed out. I have children. I have so many responsibilities. No, you can do good no matter what situation you are in. Because who put you in that situation? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Knowing that you can handle it. You have the capacity to do good being in that situation. وَلَا نُكَلِّفُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا you know, for instance, you try to have khushu in salah and you get really frustrated with yourself. You know, for instance, we learned about those five levels of praying, right? So the first level is of those who neglect the prayer, right? Who don't even perform it on time or properly. The second level is of the one who performs it properly, but the heart is distracted. The third level is of the one who is constantly fighting shaitan, right? So because of that, he's not able to enjoy salah. And the fourth and the fifth are like really high. Right? You know, for instance, if you try your best, get up on time, you do your wudu, you had wudu, you did it again anyway. Right? You made sure there's nothing on your mind and you start praying and then your heart is distracted. And then you force yourself to have khushur. And at the end of your salah, you're so angry with yourself. You know, why? Why can't I have khushur? And then you're like, you know what? I give up. I give up. I'll go down from level three to level two. I'll just settle with it. No. You can't do that. You can never give up on doing good. Don't give up. You have the capacity to have khushur. How encouraging this ayah is. You have the ability to improve. You can have khushur in your salah. You can. Never tell yourself, I can't do this. Never tell yourself, I'm not good enough for this. You are good enough for this. Definitely you can do it. Why? Because wala nukallifu nafsan illa wusaha. Waladaina kitabun. And with us is a book, is a record. Because for each person his deeds, his struggles are being recorded. Right? Everything is being written. And everything is preserved in the Lawhul Mahfuz. So with us is a record, Yantiku bil Haq, Yantiku, it will speak from Nutq. To speak, it will speak bilhaq with the truth. Meaning on the day of judgment, the record will speak with the truth, containing the truth, speaking only the reality. Nothing will be in our record 
that we did not do. Right? The record will only exhibit, the record will only show what is true. وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ And they will not be wronged. No person will be treated unfairly on the day of judgment. What do we see in this ayah? That however we live our life today, whatever we do in our life, that is what we will find tomorrow. That is what we will be judged on. In Surah Al-Jathiyah, Ayah 29, we learn, هَذَا كِتَابُنَا يَنْتِقُ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْحَقِّ إِنَّا كُنَّا نَسْتَنْسِخُ مَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ We were recording whatever you were doing. So whatever we are doing, good or bad, we are striving or we're giving up. Whatever we are doing is being recorded. And that is what will be exhibited on the Day of Judgment that we will be judged on. بَلْ قُلُوبُهُمْ Rather their hearts فِي غَمْرَةٍ مِّنْ هَذَا They are in غَمْرَةٍ concerning this. غَمْرَةٍ Again the word is coming. What is the literal meaning of the word غَمْرَةٍ? A deep body of water. Right? So deep that you can't even tell how deep it is, what its actual depth is. Deep, dark. So once something is in it, it is lost. You can't even tell what's inside it. You know sometimes water is shallow or it is clear. So you can see the fish swimming. You can see the pebbles at the bottom. Right? You can see the plants that are inside. And other times water is so deep or so dark inside that you can't see beyond a few inches maybe. You don't know what's inside. An alligator, a fish, what is there? And the darker it is, the scarier it is. Isn't it? Because you can't see inside. So, بَلْ قُلُوبُهُمْ فِي غَمْرَةٍ مِّنْ هَذَا غَمْرَةٍ is used for heedlessness then. Right? Confusion. Because it's like darkness. You're not able to see. When is it that you can understand? When is it that you can perceive what is around you? When you open your eyes. Right? The more you open them, the more you see, the more you grasp, the more you understand. But if a person opens his eyes, but he's surrounded with darkness, what can he see? Nothing. Right? So, بَلْ قُلُوبُهُمْ Their hearts are in confusion. Their hearts are in darkness, in ignorance, in heedlessness, drowned in it. And because of that, وَلَهُمْ أَعْمَالٌ مِّن دُونِ ذَلِكَ And for them are أَعْمَالٌ deeds مِّن دُونِ other than ذَلِكَ that. What does it mean by this? First of all, we see in this ayah, their hearts are covered with confusion over this. Over what? Over the haq. The truth. Meaning they are confused about the reality of the akhirah even. Because in the previous ayah, what is mentioned? Akhirah. Right? So the idea of the hereafter... They are in confusion about it. They don't think about it. Or even if they do think about it, they don't have any clear idea. They only see darkness and confusion when they think about the hereafter. So they think, I wonder if it's even going to happen. Yeah, you know what? Maybe it'll happen. I don't think we're going to feel anything. Everybody's going to be asleep, kind of dead. I don't know what's going to happen. They don't have a clear understanding of the reality of the akhirah. And when a person does not believe in the akhirah, then what happens? Then he performs actions that are much worse than kufr itself. وَلَهُمْ أَعْمَالُ مِن دُونِ ذَلِكَ What does ذَلِك refer to? ذَلِك refers to this kufr in the akhirah. Heedlessness of the akhirah. That is worse. The actions that they do are much worse. Why are they much worse? Because if you think about it, what is it? that forces a person to do right. Hmm? The fear of being caught. The fear of being held accountable. Right? So for example, you're driving, and you're really enjoying driving really fast. No traffic, you know, the speed limit is quite high, nobody's in sight, there's no police car, nothing. And you're tempted. You're tempted to go beyond the speed limit. Right? What happens? Do you really go beyond the speed limit? As soon as you hit it, you slow down. As soon as you go a little bit past it, you slow down. Why? Because you're afraid of being caught. Right? Because a police car comes without any warning. The next thing you know, you come across a black car, and you don't even realize it was a police car. Hmm? 
So this realization that I could get caught, what does it do? It forces you to do what is right. But when a person thinks, oh no, I'm not going to be caught, I'll get away with this, then what happens? His actions are worse. They get worse and worse and worse. وَلَهُمْ أَعْمَالٌ مِنْ دُونِ ذَلِكَ هُمْ لَهَا عَامِلُونَ They are لَهَا for it, meaning those actions, عَامِلُونَ ones who are performing, meaning they're continuously doing them. They're habitually doing them. Over and over again. Not just once or twice, but over and over again. You see, in Surah Al-Baqarah, one of the first characteristics we learn about people who have taqwa is what? Those who believe in the hereafter with conviction. وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَةِهُمْ يُوقِنُونَ They have yaqeen in the akhirah. When a person realizes, my words are being recorded, my deeds are being recorded, angels are witnessing what I'm doing, what I'm saying. And these deeds are going to be shown to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He knows about them as I'm doing them. And on the day of judgment, this is going to come and face me. Then what happens? A person forces himself to do what is right, to modify his behavior, to correct his behavior. But when the iman and akhirah is not there, then there is no fear of Allah. And when there is no fear of Allah, then his actions are worse. وَلَهُمْ أَعْمَالٌ مِنْ دُونِ ذَلِكَ هُمْ لَهَا عَامِلُونَ But until when will a person continue like this? حَتَّى until إِذَا أَخَذْنَا When we seize مُتْرَفِيهِمْ The affluent ones of them. Those who are affluent among them. بِالْعَذَابِ With the punishment. Meaning the affluent ones are seized with the punishment. إِذَا هُمْ Then immediately they يَجْأَرُونَ They begin to cry. They shriek. They yell. You know, when a person does something wrong once, okay, it was a mistake. It was an accident. Okay, it was a mistake. Accept it. But if he does it again, then it's not a mistake. What is it? It's a decision. It is a decision. Which is why, generally what happens, if a person does something wrong once, he's not caught. He's given another chance. But when he does it again, and again, and again, then what happens? Eventually he is caught. And he cannot say at that time, oh, it was only my first time. No, it wasn't your first time. Not possible. It was definitely second or third time. And when we are repeating that action again and again, then it's not a mistake, it's a decision. A mistake made twice is not a mistake, it's a decision. It didn't happen by itself, we decided to do it. So when a person continues his life like this, then what happens? Eventually he is caught. حَتَّى إِذَا أَخَذْنَا مُتْرَفِيهِمْ بِالْعَذَابِ Mutrafi is actually mutrafin. Alright? Ya noon at the end for plural. Noon is dropped over here because him is being connected. Alright? And the singular form of this word is mutraf. Who is mutraf? One who is living in luxury, affluence, ease. The one who's got plenty. So when they are caught with the punishment, what does Allah say? At once they yaj'arun. Yaj'arun is from jim, hamza, ra, ju'ar. And ju'ar is a sound that is made in fright. When someone is startled, when someone is horrified, and they scream out, or they yell out, or they shriek. That is called ju'ar. And what it implies over here is, that they will scream out, and wail, out of fear of the punishment, or because they have been caught. Or yaj'arun also implies, that then they call upon Allah. Then they call upon Allah, supplicating to Him, as if they are crying out for relief. They're crying out to be saved. Notice over here, mutrafin are mentioned when they are caught. Because a person who is living in luxury, right? Then what happens? He becomes heedless. This is why the Prophet ﷺ, he instructed the companions to visit the graves. Why? To take a lesson. To take a lesson. Because when we live in concrete houses, when we see food, and so much food, and when we see so many colors, and when we are, you know, living, enjoying one thing after the other, 
we forget death. We forget that we're going to end up in the grave also. What did the Prophet ﷺ say? That remember the destroyer of pleasures. And what is the destroyer of pleasures? It's the remembrance of death. Remember that. Because when a person indulges in pleasure after pleasure after pleasure, then he becomes heedless. He becomes heedless. And then when he is struck by something painful, then what happens? He screams out the loudest. He screams out the loudest. إِذَا هُمْ On my last visit to Pakistan, I went to this particular place where it was basically a farmer's market. But a very different kind of farmer's market. And I was so afraid that I didn't even get off the car. So many people, it was just too different, too strange for me. Even though I grew up in Pakistan. But going back after so many years, it was difficult to even step in a place like that. So anyway, while I'm sitting in the car, I'm looking outside. And I see little children. Okay, This little boy, I think maybe he was four years old or something. And he's got slippers on when it's freezing cold outside. Just a sweater maybe. Clothes are half wet, covered in dirt. And he's running around with a wheelbarrow. All right, Trying to find work from anybody so that he could transport their fruit and vegetables and maybe make a few rupees at the end. And I was just thinking, this boy, where's his mother? Where's his father? Where's his older brother? All by himself he's working. And I was thinking, if my son was here, anywhere in a place like this, with a wheelbarrow on his own, his concern would be, where's mom? Where's dad? Why am I alone here? Right? Because the more comforts we have, the more sensitive we become. And the slightest strike of you know, pain or hardship, we scream out the loudest. We scream so much. We fuss so much over petty issues. You know, just because our coffee is not the right temperature, we fuss so much. Right? Just because you know, there's a small scratch in our phone, we are so angry that we are upset the whole day. And there are other people who have problems that are much worse than just a scratch on the phone. But they don't scream out like that. So, حَتَّى إِذَا أَخَذْنَا مُتْرَفِيهِمْ بِالْعَذَابِ إِذَا هُمْ يَجْأَرُونَ You see, having more and more blessings of this life, it's a huge fitna. It's a huge trial. And we don't look at it like that. We think money... Food, clothes, house, car, all of these things are blessings. They are blessings. Definitely they are. And we are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But at the same time, they are a huge, a huge test. That do we remember our reality and the reality of this life, the reality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while living amongst these things? Or do we make these things our ultimate goal and desire? حَتَّى إِذَا أَخَذْنَا مُتْرَفِيهِمْ بِالْعَذَابِ إِذَا هُمْ يَجْأَرُونَ Then they cry out for help. They scream out for help. Allah says, لَا تَجْأَرُوا الْيَوْمِ لَا تَجْأَرُوا Do not cry out الْيَوْمَ today. There is no point in crying out today. Cry out for help. And cry out in pain. But it's not going to help. Because إِنَّكُمْ indeed you minna from us لَا تُنصَرُونَ You will not be helped. Today you are not going to be helped. Your calls will not be responded to. Why? Because قَدْ كَانَتْ آيَاتِي قَدْ in fact كَانَتْ it was آيَاتِي my verses. My verses, Allah's verses used to be تُتْلَى عَلَيْكُمْ Recited on you. فَكُنْتُمْ but what was your response? You were ala aqabikum on your heels, tankisun, turning back. You would turn back. Today you call upon us, you will not be responded. Why? Because yesterday, when you were called, you did not respond. Allah's verses were recited on you. But what was your reaction? Kuntum ala aqabikum tankisun. Tankisun from nakasa. Noon kaf saad. Nakasa is to shrink, to withdraw, to recoil. So for example, a snake, right? Or, or a spring, alright? You open it, you stretch it out, and then what happens as you let it go? Recoils. Right? It was big, stretched out, but as soon as you let it go, it shrinks. It becomes small. This is nakasa. So, 
when the verses of Allah were recited on you, you shrank. Meaning, you resisted. You avoided. You kept away. You kept away from the ayat. Mustakbirina bihi. So first of all, you avoided them. You didn't want to listen to them. As soon as you heard Allah being mentioned, Quran being mentioned, something that Allah has said being mentioned, instantly you left. Instantly you moved away. You didn't want to listen. Why? Mustakbirina bihi. Being arrogant with it. Mustakbirin, plural of mustakbir. Who is mustakbir? One who considers himself to be great. Because kabura literally means to be great. Kabir, who is kabir? One who is great, right? Big. So for example, one who is old in age, great in age. Great in their status, kabir. Mustakbir. One who seeks greatness, considers to be great. Right? Or very, very great. So mustakbirin, you became very arrogant, bihi with it, meaning with the verses, with the Qur'an, with the message of Allah, you look down on the truth as if you were too good for it. Samiran, conversing by night. Tahjurun, speaking evil. Samiran, samir, from the root letter, seen mim ra, samar. Samar is used for the darkness of the night. What is samar? Darkness of the night. Like for example, a poet said, لا أتيك السمر ولا القمر I will not come to you in the darkness of the night nor in the moonlight. Meaning whether the moon is full, half, or not there at all, crescent, whatever, I am not coming at all. Alright? So samara, what does samar mean? Darkness of the night, when there is no moonlight even. Samir. Samir is who? Someone who tells stories at night to pass time for the purpose of entertainment. So from this, samar is also used for storytelling at night. You see the Arabs, and not just the Arabs, many nations of the past, all right, even today this happens in a different way. We see that people in general, what they do is that at night time, they sit together and they tell stories to each other. Why? To unwind, to relax, for entertainment. Right? That you've worked all day, you've worked all week, now at night time you just chill. So for example, the people of Mecca, what they would do is that at night time they would go to these places where they would drink alcohol. And they would also have certain people as entertainers who would tell stories. Alright? Or, uh, for example, singing women, or things like that. And there's modern versions of this today. Right? So, for example, we learn about Umar anhu. That one night he went to this particular place where his friends would gather to listen to the stories, to talk to each other, to chat and converse, and also have alcohol. Right? So he went one night and he found that nobody was there. Nobody was there. None of his friends were there. Even the person who served the wine, even he was not there. Now imagine if a person has this urge to drink alcohol, right, and he doesn't find it, what is he going to do? Just go and sleep? No, he needs to take his mind off of it, right? Obviously this is before Islam, alright? He said, I went to do tawaf. In the middle of the night, he said, you know what, let me just go to the haram, take my mind off of alcohol and all of this, I'll go do tawaf. When he goes to do tawaf, in the darkness of the night, who does he find near the Kaaba? The Prophet ﷺ performing the salah. So Umar thought to himself, you know, this is my chance. Let me go and finish him off. It's the middle of the night. Nobody will know. I can just go and finish him. Right? In the morning, people will just find him dead and that's it. They'll have nobody to blame. So Umar said, I went closer. And as he drew closer to the Prophet ﷺ, he heard him reciting the Qur'an. Hmm? And he said, I was so amazed by the Qur'an, I thought, what is he? Is he a poet or something? You know, this is very impressive. And the Prophet ﷺ recited, وَمَا هُوَ بِقَوْلِ شَاعِرٍ right? This is not the word of a poet. So Umar you know, he's thinking in his heart, wow, wow, how did he know what I was thinking? Is he a soothsayer? Does he know my mind? Can he read my mind? 
وَمَا هُوَ بِقَوْلِ كَاهِنْ Right? This is not the word of a soothsayer. What is this? Who is this guy? What is he reading? So anyway, he listened to the recitation of the Qur'an. And this was the first time ever he heard the Prophet ﷺ reciting the Qur'an. And the Qur'an had an impact on his heart. He changed his mind and he went back. Alhamdulillah. And sometime later, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with Islam. So anyway, Samir is who? Someone who is talking by night, entertaining by night, listening to stories, narrating stories. Alright? And there's modern versions of this today. When we are sitting in our bedrooms or in our living rooms, all the lights are off except just one big screen. Right? And what are we watching? Stories. Tahjurun. Tahjurun from Hajimra. What does Hajra mean? To leave. Right? From this is the word Hijra. What do you leave? What do you leave? Something that's really good? What do you leave? Something that you consider bad. Right? That it doesn't suit you anymore. It's not good for you anymore. It's not healthy for you. It's not safe for you. So you leave it. Alright? Now, hujr, alright, is to speak ill. Because what we don't like, what is not good for us anymore, we start talking negatively about it. Right? Like for example, just because we have found that if we have too much milk or dairy, it gives us health problems. So we say, oh, all dairy is bad and, you know, so on and so forth. No, all dairy is not bad. But why is it that people will speak bad about dairy? Because they have an issue with it. They consider it to be bad for themselves. So anyway, tahjurun, what does it mean? You speak evil. You speak nonsense. You say that which is inappropriate, that which is indecent. So look at the whole ayah now. My verses were recited upon you, but instead of listening, you shrank. You kept away. Mustakbirina bi. You were so arrogant towards the Quran that you thought you were too good for it. So you didn't even listen to it. And instead, you spent your time doing what? Samiran. At night, you would spend your time entertaining yourself, listening to stories, and if you would say anything, tahjurun, you would speak nonsense. Nonsense about what? About the Qur'an. Fuhsh, indecent, inappropriate things about the deen. Because many times, when people sit together in these gatherings, they have to entertain themselves, right? And after a few minutes, you run out of ideas, then you have to crack jokes, and you have to talk about other people. And what is it that we talk about? Sometimes the Prophet ﷺ, sometimes the deen, sometimes a person who is a Muslim. Tahjurun, we speak nonsense. Nonsense literally. Speaking evil, because the mushrikeen, literally they would gather together at night, talking bad things about the Prophet ﷺ, about the Qur'an, making fun of the Qur'an, making fun of Islam, making fun of the Muslims. But in this is a lesson for us. Because what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala criticizing over here? Their nightly entertainments. You had no time for the book of Allah. But you had all the time to sit at night and watch and listen to nonsense. Literally nonsense. Because if you think about it, any kind of, for example, TV show, which one is 100% clean and pure? Which one? I mean, starts as a very clean season, for example, TV show, and then in the second, third, fourth episode, what happens? Romance kicks in, and then fuhash, and then more fuhash, and more fuhash, and more fuhash. And then we start getting worried about, oh, how come he doesn't love her? And how come she doesn't love him? And she shouldn't say that, and he should do that. Really? This is nonsense. What kind of words do people say on TV? Are they decent words? Can we repeat those words? Can we describe those scenes? Can we look at those scenes? Can we? No. Allah is criticizing this here. Allah doesn't approve of this. Mustakbirina bihi samiran tahjurun. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. Ya ayyuhar rusulu kulu minat tayyibati wa'amalu saliha inni bima ta'amaluna alim. 